As I said last time we were together, four weeks ago, we talked about the fact that, unbelievably, I am is in a manger, and I am is there because He loves you and He loves me. Does anyone remember some of the implications that we drew out from that reality? Anybody? Those of you that were here. And I know that if you missed, I know that immediately, when you miss on a Sunday, you immediately go to the podcast site and immediately listen to the sermon. So you won't miss anything that happens at the International Church of Milan. I know that's true. So, so I guess I need to include all of you. Um, uh, any implications? Do you recall any implications? If God's in a manger, what are the implications for you and me? Are there any implications? If God's in a manger, if that really is God, does it matter how I live if that really is God? Does it matter at all? You guys are shy, aren't you? Or maybe jet lagged like me. Listen, if I go incoherent for brief periods of time, it's because I'm, I'm sleep deprived. So uh, I'll come back. Sometimes I just go somewhere else and Karen goes, what are you talking about? And I come back, but I come back. Uh, so don't worry about it. We talked about the fact that everybody in the Christmas story, everybody involved in that Christmas story, if you go to Scripture, their lives changed. Their lives radically changed. We talked about how everybody in the Christmas story, they were on the move. You remember? Everybody was on the move. They were going to Bethlehem, where God was. If God's in the manger, then He matters more than anything else ever could in your life and in my life. And we talked about how, you know, how could we live that reality small. If we believe it's true, I know there, you know, Google tell, I shared with you four weeks ago that Google says there's 2.2 million, billion, pardon me, billion Christians in the world. And you know, there's a large majority of those who only show up once or twice a year, that's Christmas and Easter, and they still want to call themselves Christians, but we know they're not. Why do we know that people who only attend casually at church, how do we know they're really not Christians? How do we know? Because there is no evidence of the fact that they truly believe God's in a manger and they truly believe God's in that manger because He came to save them. Listen, beloved, if you believe that, that changes everything in your life and you will not insult God with lukewarm Christianity. Okay? If you really believe that's true, you would never insult him with that. And he would not be some casual, convenient affair in your life. He would be your life. <laughs> and his church would be part of your life. Where you come and you love the people of God, you serve the people of God, you give to the church, you honor the Lord here, you're part of the body of Christ, beloved. If God's in a manger, everything's changed. Remember that scene I told you about from uh, Franco Zeffirelli's movie? That conversation that Matthew and Peter had? Matthew says, everything's changed. The whole world's changed and we're the first to know. 
if you call yourself a Christian, I'm, I challenge you, as I always do, I always push you around. I told you last time you were here, four weeks ago, I'm going to push you around every time you come in here because I love you, right? If I didn't love you, I'd do a poem. We'd do a funny illustration, maybe some drama. Maybe Spider-Man would swoop down from, you know, you go to some of these mega churches in America. Somebody was telling me Spider-Man came out one night. We don't do Spider-Man here. You know why? Jesus is better than entertainment. We don't need to do entertainment at the International Church of Milan because Jesus is with us. And I can stand here and tell you that Jesus is with us because Karen and I have been walking on water for 10 years because on paper this church makes no sense at all. On paper. It just makes no sense. But God just keeps showing up Somebody asked me in the States, you know, they, they always ask me, oh, how are you guys doing? I say, God's awesome. That's all I can say. <laughs> you know, God's awesome. He just shows up and He does what He does. He keeps the doors open because He can. He keeps the doors open because He loves you and He loves me. And He wants a witness here. An English witness. To the greatness of Jesus Christ. Amen? To the greatness of His Son to the fact that He is the Creator, He is the Redeemer, and oh yes, He's coming back soon. God wants a witness here. He wants an English witness here. And you're it. You're it. Beloved, those are the implications. If God's in a manger, <laughs> those are the implications. You are His witness. I've told you many times. God hasn't called you to win the argument. In the world... Many times you will not, quote-unquote, win the argument. People will reject your statements, your propositional statements of truth. They will reject it. They will reject the fact that, that your worldview is built on 66 books of, of the Scripture. They'll reject that. They may make fun of you. They may ridicule you. You're not called to win the argument. You're called to give a witness. And when they make fun of you and ridicule you and ostracize you and even persecute you, you smile and you give a blessing. That's what we learned in 1 Peter or 2 Peter. I forget now. I think it was 1 Peter. Give a witness and give a blessing. You're God's people. That's what we do, beloved. It's not easy. You know, it's easy to be a church member. It's easy just to like show up on Sunday... Go out that door, forget about it till next Sunday, show up again. You know, it's easy to be a church member. It's always difficult to be a disciple. And that's what we're called to. If you go read Hebrews 11.6, which I read to you earlier, the implication is my people are disciples. They aren't just church members who come to church and never change. My people are always changing. I'm completing the good work I've begun in them. Beloved, the implication is if we really believe it, we've given ourselves away to this awesome God. All of us, and I'm sure, there's some un, uh, I'm sure there's some unconverted people in here, and there are Christians in here who are at various stages of sanctification, various stages of maturation. We understand that. But our goal is to follow Christ. Amen? Our goal is to go with Jesus. Our goal is to make much of Jesus. Our goal is to be a witness. If God's in the manger, 
If it's a myth, it doesn't matter. If it's true, it matters more than anything else possibly ever could to you. On Monday morning when you get up, God's in a manger. That should inform Monday. (laughs) Tuesday morning when you get up, God's in a manger. That should inform Tuesday. Wednesday morning, do I need to go on? Those are the implications. And I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you in 2014. Be a witness. God's left you here. You know, I know we get confused. I know we get distracted. We think that God's left us here to have a great career, make a lot of money, buy a lot of stuff, and have a lot of fun. And have some great relationships. And, you know, some of those things are the blessings of God. He graciously gives these things. But if you call yourself a Christian tonight, your preeminent reason for being here, someone tell me, give a witness to your spouse, to your children, your co workers, your students, at the, your, your fellow students at the university. Your job is to make much of. Jesus. So I want to encourage you tonight as we begin the new year. We saw it in the Christmas story. Everyone in the Christmas story, their life was changed. And we saw two incarnations. Does anybody remember? What, what, what are the two incarnations of the Christmas story? Then I'll move on. What are the... What are the inc- t- wow. What time did I start? What are the two incarnations in the Christmas story? God became a man. That's the theological word, incarnation. God became a man. He's in the manger. He's in the womb. He's in the manger. What's the other incarnation we talked about? The Word became flesh. Right? The other incarnation is you incarnate the Word. God's people incarnate the Word. We do the Word. None of us perfectly. We all sin. We all fail. We all fall. But we confess our sin and He's faithful and just to forgive us. We get up and we honor God. We incarnate the Word. We're doers of the Word. We don't just listen to it. We don't just talk about it. We do it. Amen? That's the implication. That's the implication of the fact that God is in a manger. So I want us to just look at God Tonight, through the lens of Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. This is the verse. This is a dangerous verse. It's a tsunami verse, as Piper likes to call. There's several verses in Scripture he'll call a tsunami verse. It's a tsunami verse for me because it's the verse God used to get me out of corporate America and into seminary. I wanted to go to seminary, but I was way too afraid to go to seminary. I was way too afraid to cut the cord. I liked the big check. I liked the bonuses. I liked the security. I liked all that. I wanted to go to seminary, but I was afraid. Now, listen. Christians ought not live like that, beloved. <laughs> you know, if we really believe, Hebrews 11:6 that our God is God, that's what the text says, we must not only believe that He, what? Is God, but He is God. Someone tell me, what does the text also say? He is a rewarding God. Now see, this is where the rubber meets the road. I know probably every one of you in here believe that God is. You believe that. Beloved, that's only half the equation. 
If that's all you believe that God is, you'll never be a disciple. But if you actually believe that He's a good God, a rewarding God, as He says, this is a character issue for God in Hebrews 11.6, if you actually believe He's a good God, you'll go with Him. Yeah, try to stop me from going with Jehovah God if I believe He's good. Now, if I mistrust Him, I'll not go with Him. I just won't do it. I'll have a lot of good excuses for not going with God. But if I truly believe He's God and He's good, why would you ever shrink back from going with this awesome God? Beloved, I'm here to tell you and encourage you tonight that not only is He God, He is a good God. And if you believe that in 2014, if you really believe those two things about God, you'll be a disciple. You'll do the Word. You can do all that God says in His Word. You can simply be a conduit of the Gospel, a conduit of grace and power and joy. And life in the world as those you are around and encounter so, I just want to make two points about God um, through the lens of Hebrews 11.6. Some of you will remember some of these statements from last year. I am asserting from Scripture that God is God and God is good. And I'm just going to develop that a little bit. The first place I want to go, you don't need to turn there with me if you don't want to. Psalm 99, some of you know that I am quite infatu infatuated with Psalm 99, 1-3. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim, let the earth shake. Don't you love that verse? The Lord reigns, our God reigns. He's not someone to be God. He is God. Let the earth tremble, right? He's enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. He is an awesome God. The verse continues, The Lord is great in Zion, and He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise Thy great and awesome name. Holy is God. Psalm 99, 1-3, it's clear. The God of the Bible is God. And nobody else is God. He's God. He's God. If we believe that our God is the God of Psalm 99, 1-3, the reigning God, before whom the peoples tremble and the earth shake, we will... We will be disciples. We will do Hebrews 11. We will live our faith. We will speak our faith. We can because He reigns. There's not one rogue molecule in all the universe. He reigns. Our God reigns. I don't know what your circumstance is. I don't know as you look out into 2014 what you see. But you know, whatever you see, our God reigns over that circumstance. 
our God reigns in that circumstance. We should be incarnating, if we believe Hebrews 11.6, we should be incarnating Daniel 11.32. I, I know I use this verse uh, a number of times throughout the year. The people that do know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Those are the implications of the Christmas story. If you're still intimidated in the world and you're still afraid, beloved, all I can encourage you to do is look at your great God. If you will look at Jesus Christ, if you will look at King Jesus through the lens of Scripture, you will not be intimidated and you will not be afraid. You will be strong and you will do exploits in the world. You will give a witness. You will give a witness that the world will never forget, nor will Jesus. You remember that great text when Mary uh, anoints Him and the disciples are all over Mary for wasting the money. It's just, it's just a goofy thing. And what does Jesus say? I tell you the truth, no one will ever forget what she did. Listen, beloved, when you make much of Jesus, <laughs> when you give a witness, God never forgets it. And so who are you living for here? That's what I'd like to ask. Who are you living for here? Are you really living for God or is it something less than God? If you're living for God, you'll be like Mary. <laughs> you just pour out your life. You pour out the best thing that you have. You pour it out. You pour it out at Jesus' feet. He's not only my Creator, He is my Redeemer. I'm just going to make a, give you a litany here from the prophet Isaiah. These are the words of King Jesus through the prophet Isaiah. I love these great texts where, where God says I'm God and no one else is, where God just declares His Godness. So just listen to this for a moment. Just a compilation of verses from Isaiah. I, the Lord, am the first and the last, and with the last I am He. Even from eternity I am He. To, him, to whom then will you liken me that I should be His equal? I am God, there is no other. Besides me there is no God. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord. There is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act and who can reverse it. The nations are nothing before me. I sit above the vault of the earth. I am the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth. There is no God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. I am God and there is no one like me, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Does anyone believe that's true about King Jesus? Anybody? then you should be a radical disciple in 2014. You have license, beloved. You have license. What I'm, what I'm saying to you, beloved, look at God and be set free this year. I don't know what your circumstance is. And for everyone in here, there may, as many people as are in here, there may be, may be that many unique set of circumstances. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. God reigns. God reigns. He's the eternal, infinite, first and last. Daniel saw Him and he writes, His throne was ablaze with flames. And a river of fire was flowing out before the Lord, and thousands upon thousands were attending Him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before Him. 
What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you to look at God so you'll be freed up to be a disciple. You're not going to be intimidated in the world. You're not going to be afraid. You're not going to let that circumstance defeat you. You're not going to be discouraged. You may have some hard days coming in 2014. I may have some really hard days coming. But my God is still God and my God reigns. Beloved, Isaiah saw him and he writes, The Lord was high and lifted up on His throne and the train of His robe filled the temple and the seraphim called out to one another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. John saw him and he writes, His eyes were like a flame of fire. His voice was like the sound of many waters. His face was like the the sun shining in its strength. The psalmist writes, The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. Fire goes before Him and burns up His adversaries round about. His lightnings light up the world. The earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake, beloved. How can you live your Christianity small? Really? If you believe in that God. And I know there is a caricature of Jesus in much of what is called modern Christianity. There's this caricature. And he's a frustrated God. He can't get anything done. Right? He's presented in such an effeminate and feeble way in many places. Listen, beloved, King Jesus is the God of 99, Psalm 99. He reigns. He does all His good pleasure in heaven and earth. And soon the sky will split and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, even the damned, that Jesus is Lord and God. Beloved, how can we live that small? I mean, how, how can that be small to us? How can we not give ourselves to this? Even as He gave Himself to us, how can we not give ourselves... To Him, He is the great Sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. It simply means that He possesses uncontested, infinite power and authority. He has no peer. He has no colleague. He is not only El Shaddai in name, He is El Shaddai indeed. Just a couple of Scriptures. Daniel 4.35 God does according to His will in heaven and earth. No one can stop Him. Actually, the text says no one can stay His hand. Nobody can stop your God. <laughs> and your God is for you, Beloved. You have license. You're free. You're free. Are you living your Christianity like this? I have a long way to go. I'm still learning. I suspect most of you are still learning too. But I want you to take a quantum leap in 2014. I want you to go with God like you've never gone with God before. And what I want you to, and what I, what I know you'll discover if you do, is joy you have never imagined. You know, we think, no, it's going to be hard to go with God. You know, sin's more fun. Or apathy's more fun. Lethargy's more fun. You know, spiritual lethargy. I'll, I'll, I'll flirt with the church. I'll date the church. But I'm not going to give myself to, to the church. I'm not really going to pour myself out. You know, listen, beloved. God made you. 
And He's gifted you. He knows what's going to fill up your heart and your soul. He knows what's going to thrill the, the inner core of your being. And you find that when you go with Him. Listen, I'd still be an accountant. Nothing wrong with being an accountant. It's, a, it's an honorable profession. I, I, but it wasn't what made my heart beat fast. He said, Jim, I want you to preach. And I said, I can't preach. I'm an accountant. He said, I know you're an accountant. You can't preach. But I'll turn you into one. This is what God does. It's just the whole Gideon thing. Gideon said, I can't do that. The Lord says, have I not sent you? You can do it. Because God is with us. Psalm 135, 6, Whatever the Lord pleases, He does it. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16, He is the only sovereign King of kings, Lord of lords, who possesses immortality and eternal dominion. Isaiah says it perfectly. Who can turn back the outstretched arms of Jehovah God? Beloved, nobody can. And if you call yourself a Christian, your life should be giving off that aroma. That's the ambiance of who you are. My God's God. My God is God. He is the great reigning sovereign. I want to tell you, you know, we have all these rewards promised in the Bible. Guess what? It's a done deal. Nobody can take it. Because God is sovereign, because He reigns, nobody can take my reward. Nobody can have it. My name is on it. It's a done deal. It'll be there. Why? Because my God reigns. Because Psalm 99 is true. God always delivers, beloved. Because He's God. Because He has no peer or challenger. It's a big deal with God, beloved. He means for you to believe that He's God. He means for you to believe that He's good. And then He means for you to live like it. That's the implications of what we were saying earlier in the Christmas story. There's something else. Not only does God reign, and we've talked about this already in the service through the music and through the prayer, God loves us. Psalm 99 is true, but, but also what I want to point out to you, again, through the lens of Hebrews 11.6, that Jeremiah 31.3 is true. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have drawn you with loving kindness. Don't you love it? As long as God's been God, He's loved His people. That's a long time. <laughs> he loves His people. It's an invincible love. I said it earlier. It's an omnipotent love. Romans 8 tells us that no one or no thing can separate us from this love. It can't happen. It won't happen. Back in July, I told you I, I got jazzed up on a... There's, a, there's an... Uh, African-American spiritual. I got jazzed. I heard it on, on a video I was watching and I got jazzed up about it. Some of you may remember. Does anybody remember what I said in July? Anybody remember that, that great little chorus? Karen's heard it a few times. I know it would be impossible for you to remember. But the African-American spiritual says, Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Anybody remember that? Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Now some of you, it may not translate. It simply means, Nobody is as good to me as Jesus is. Jesus loves me with an everlasting love. He's in that manger. He's going to that cross. Why? He loves me. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. I love that, man. I, I, I just love that phrase. Don't you love that phrase? Ain't nobody do me like 
Jesus. He's a great God and He's a God who loves us. And I want to ask you, how can you live that small in 2014? How can you let that be? You know, just a little corner of your life. How, how can you not give yourself to that? To that biblical reality. As I said four years ago, there's really no middle place on this one, right? It's either a religious myth and it doesn't matter. Or we have to bow our knee and become a disciple and love this great God. We can do Hebrews 11. Listen to some of the words he says to us. 2 Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. Isaiah 41.10 Do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously, anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jeremiah 32, 40 and 41. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing them good. I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good with all my heart and all my soul, God says. The God of Psalm 99 says, I will do them good. Do you believe it? Christian, that's what I'm trying to ask you today. Do you believe it? Then if you really believe it, then you have to go out there and live it. You really do. Or you've not really believed it. <laughs> that's the implication of the Christmas story. Everybody who believed it, bam, they went to Bethlehem. And if you believe it, you'll be on the move too. Spiritually, you'll be on the move. You'll be following hard after Jesus Christ. You know Romans 8.28. It's true every day. I bring it up a lot. We know that God causes almost everything to work together for good to those who love God, those called according to His purpose. Is that, did I get it right? Did I misquote it? Not almost everything. What? What, is the, what does the text really say? Everything. Even on your hardest day, God is working good even when you can't understand it. Even when it makes no sense to you. God is working it for good it, in some mysterious way. This is how awesome He is. Even in the hard spot, He works good. So in your, on your worst day in 2014, I want you to remember God has known about your worst day for a long time. As long as He's been God, He's known about this day. And I want you to remember that. He's known about it. Not only has He known about it, He's been at work on it. Not only has He been at work on it, He purposes to create some good in your life through it. He means for your hard day to bring Him glory and to bring you joy. Is that how you think, beloved? You call yourself a Christian when it gets hard this year and it'll get hard for some of us. It'll get really hard for a number of us. Will you remember that Romans 8.28 is true every single day? That God is God, it's true. <laughs> Do you trust Him? You know, really, Romans 8.28 is simply, it, to me, it's evidence of God's competence. <laughs> he is a competent God. He is a competent God. He loves His people. And He can work even the hard thing mysteriously into something that will bring ultimate joy. Ain't nobody... 
Nobody do me like Jesus. King David says, just a few verses quickly, the Lord is my shield. I want you to remember this in 2014. David says, 18-2, these are all Psalms. 18-2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, in whom I take refuge. 27-5, in the day of trouble, He will conceal me in His tabernacle. He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. 32-7, God is my hiding place. He preserves me from trouble. He surrounds me with songs of deliverance. 46-1, God is my refuge, my strength, a very present help in trouble. 71.3, God is a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. And in Psalm 62.5-8, my hope is from God. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. Don't be shaken this year, beloved. When the hard day comes, remember, your God is God, your God is good. The psalmist continues, On God my salvation and my glory rests. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before Him. God is our refuge. King Jesus is our defense, our deliverer, our fortress, our strength, and our shield. And Jesus is always poised to release His divine power in the care of His disciples. If you believe that, it will dramatically impact how you live in 2014. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, the last verse I want to share with you, Zephaniah 3.17. Some of you know this great text. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in His love. He will exalt over you with shouts of joy. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Amen? Beloved, I'm trying to give you license, man. I'm trying to set some of you free. You know, and, and God's He's still working on me, man. He's still setting me free from some stuff. But I, I want you to go out there and, you know, be a disciple. You're a disciple of the God of Psalm 99. You're a disciple of the God of Jeremiah 31. So, we can be all in because Jesus is all in, right? We won't be an awesome disciple because we're an awesome disciple. We'll be an awesome disciple because we have an awesome God, right? And He's all in with us. He's totally committed to us. The Scripture tells us that He's with us, He's in us, and He's for us. So beloved, the challenge for you and me in 2014 is to live like every one of those things are true. So let me ask you. I'm done. Will you incarnate the Word of God in 2014 like you never have before? Will you, will you go home tonight and get before the Lord and make a commitment to Him that this new year is His like it never has been before? You're going to drive a stake in the ground. Uh, this, is a, this is a new beginning, a new place to start with God. Will you go home and give yourself to God in a new way? Will you repent of your self-absorption and your love of ease and comfort and convenience? We're all guilty. I confess my sin before you. I'm guilty. But beloved, I want to be a better disciple. When we get to 2015, I want to be a better disciple then far better than I am today. Everything in Christianity is 
is, is a pilgrimage. It's moving forward. So let me ask you, were you too careful in 2013? Did you allow caution to trump obedience in 2013? Listen, whatever reason you have for not radically obeying Jesus, it's a lie. Okay? It's a lie. Whatever the reason you have, whatever excuse you have, it's a lie. Your God is the God of Psalm 99. Your God reigns. So, I encourage you this year, no excuses, no half measures, no qualifications, no equivocations. We live out the implications of the Christmas story. God is in a manger. And everything's changed. And that will be the ambiance of my life. So, what does God expect from His people when we take a hard look at Hebrews 11.6? What are you supposed to do with a message like this? You're supposed to do everything. You're supposed to do everything God has called you to do. You're not supposed to leave one thing undone. You say, Jim, I'm weak. I'm frail. I'm, I'm, I'm riddled with sin. I struggle every day. Yes, that's right. You're a Christian. It's hard sometimes. But our God reigns. And our God has redeemed us. Our God has saved us from our sin. God is, our God is sanctifying us. So beloved, I challenge you. To love huge, pray huge, serve huge, give huge, repent huge, forgive huge, etc., etc., etc. Do everything that God has told you, and you can. You can do all that He says because He will do all that He says. That's really Hebrews 11. You can do all that God says because He is the God of Psalm 99. I pray that each one of us in this room, including myself, will be serious about giving this new year to God like we never have before. To go to new places with God. New, new deeps with God. New faith. New obedience. New repentance. It's the implication of the Christmas story. I thought she brought out the communion. There it comes. I forgot to mention to you earlier that we are going to do communion tonight. And uh, 